Hey y'all, it's your host Brandon here with a little heads up. Do the Work is a show that deals with heavy and at times traumatic moments around race and racism. So if you don't have the emotional space to hear these discussions right now, that's okay. You can always come back to this episode whenever you are ready. We hope that you take care of you. Oh, and one more thing. Sometimes we use adult language in this podcast, so if you got kids nearby, you might want to grab your headphones. All right, now let's get started. You're listening to Do the Work, a show that untangles the uncomfortable, offensive, and sometimes downright racist moments that happen in our personal relationships. I'm your host, Brandon Kyle Goodman. So this episode is going to be different. I wanted to break the mold a bit and talk one-on-one with someone who has incredible stories to tell about race and living on the margins. So today, I'm talking to Sharente Mishitashan Harris. Sharente is an indigenous two-spirit activist who goes by she and he pronouns because she embodies both masculine and feminine identities fluidly. Sharente is also a champion powwow dancer of the Narragansett tribe. Because Sharente was assigned male at birth, she started off dancing in the traditional men's style of dance. But when she came out as two-spirit, she decided she wanted to dance in the women's style. And there were a lot of folks who were not happy about that. We'll hear all about Sharente's story after the break. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girly? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, no, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. No tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. So, Sharente, I'm so happy that you're here, and I want to start off uh, by getting to know you a bit and having you introduce yourself to our listeners. Hello, my friends. My name is Sharente Mishitashin. I am from the Nahiagansik Tribal Nation. Um, We are the indigenous people of Rhode Island. Um, and I'm so happy to be here with you. Yes. And can you share like a little bit of history about your tribe? The Narragansett tribe are the traditional people that dwell to this day within Rhode Island. We are between people, the people at the corner of the land, between the waters, the sea and the bay. And we traditionally were the most powerful people in this region. So I'm very happy today to be able to speak about my people and how they really inform my identity for we are a proud people and we still continue. Yes, I love this. I love your, first of all, before I even go further, I just want to say how much I love your energy and I just love, I'm just so honored that I get to to speak with you. So in getting to know you a little bit more, what was your, what was your childhood like growing up? 
So I have grown up in lands in Charlestown, Rhode Island, right adjacent to our reservation. I live with my six siblings, my mother and my father. And throughout my childhood, I also was raised by Nakomas, my grandmother. You know, I, I love the value of uh, grandmothers. Uh, this Saturday is the 10 years since my grandmother passed, who was really, really important to me. So I'm like just filled with um, reflection on all the things that she instilled in me that are still, you know, blossoming and being able to see um, so much of her in how my life is unfolding. Uh, and so I wonder, you know, what were the things that your your grandmother kind of uh, passed on to you or instilled in you? Absolutely. When I came out to my family, my grandmother instantly told me, well, do, do you want to express as a woman? Because, you know, you are two-spirit. Not, not pushing anything on me, but my grandmother already had that knowledge of, of two-spirit people, and it was something that I was able to have. And so my coming out was really flipped back onto me. Mm. So instead of me revealing something to my family, my family really revealed something to me that I did have a place and that our society has space for two-spirit people. Sharente, can I ask you, uh, for, those, for those who don't know, what it means to be two-spirit exactly? Absolutely. So two-spirit is a modern-day term that kind of encapsulates all of the collective ideas across Turtle Island, across America, that Indigenous people have held regarding LGBT people. And it is the people that walk between these binaries of male and female, death and life, that are the connecting forces. And so without our two-spirit people, people that are in touch with both the masculine and the feminine, we, we would be disconnected from one another without them. And we find it across all of our country, two-spirit people are at minimum respected and oftentimes honored. I love that. I love that. Now, you said before that powwows are celebrations where Native people come together to gather and feast and dance, and competitions where dancers wear colorful regalia and move to drums have uh, become a big part of these celebrations. And you're a champion power dancer yourself. So could you talk about that? Absolutely. So I come from a family of champion dancers. Uh, my mother is a champion dancer. She uh, went across Europe. She danced at Bill Clinton's second inaugural celebration. Wow. She danced at the Goodwill Games opening ceremony. All of my childhood and even into my adult life, people have come up and told me about how incredible my mother would dance, that she looked like she was floating because she was so high on the tips of her toes 
And my grandmother is a world champion Eastern blanket dancer. And my father is a world champion Eastern war dancer. And when I began dancing, I began in the style of my father. So you were originally dancing in the style of your father, traditionally a men's dance, but then you wanted to dance in the style of your mother, which is usually performed by women. So how did your mother receive that when you, um, when you made that decision? Her immediate reaction was, no, I'm sorry, but I, I don't think you can do that. Um, that people would just not be accepting and open to it. After the break, we'll hear what happened next between Charente and her mother. Stay with us. Welcome back. So, Sharenta, you were telling us how your mother didn't want you performing in the, the women's style at first. She didn't think your community would accept you as, as a two-spirit dancer. Although, traditionally, two-spirit people across our region were accepted through hundreds of years of colonization, enslavement, indoctrination into Christianity, because of all of these things, two-spirit people were stigmatized. And today, indigenous communities have a lot of healing to do to catch up with the rest of America in Mm -hmm. letting go of that homophobia. But I persisted. And of course, my mother only said no because she didn't want me to get hurt. Mm. So it was more of a protection. Absolutely. And it was the most heartbreaking thing. I continue to try and teach myself how to fancy shawl dance because it is completely different from Eastern war dance. And it was all about learning this technique. In Eastern war dance, you're low to the ground. Imagine like a hunter that's approaching his prey. Uh, You need to hide. The fancy shawl dance, you're standing tall and erect and you're constantly on your toes. And it was a matter of learning how to be graceful. And who taught you how to, who taught you how to dance fancy shawl? It was my mother. Um, Wow. My mother, although she said that she was apprehensive about me dancing and didn't want me to do it, she found in one of my sketchbooks a drawing of a regalia that I dreamed of having. And our our regalia is what we call our traditional clothing or our powwow clothing. So she found this drawing and at Christmas time, she presented me with the regalia that I had drawn in my sketchbook and gifted it to me and gifted me her old beadwork. Um, And my grandmother gifted me beadwork. And that was really a shifting moment where they were completely behind me, ready to fight whatever was going to come. And I still face a lot of homophobia and transphobia 
when I go to powwows and it makes me extremely anxious. I know that every time I go, someone is going to yell slurs at me, uh, driving by me, yelling it out their window. Even little kids have come up and said stuff to me that they've heard from their parents. Is that where your activism comes from? Where, what inspires your activism? Those taunts and that hatred really brought me to a point where I was really like, is it even worth it to keep dancing if it's causing me all of this distress? But it was realizing how many more people cared about me being there and all of the two-spirit people that were, were being excluded from something that they needed to be a part of. That's really where my activism came from, was the need to be seen and to build awareness. And that awareness is the first step to making change just by going out in that circle, even though I knew that they were going to refuse to judge me, the act of going out there anyway in defiance has now led to my reality where things are changing. And when I went out dancing in that powwow circle as a two-spirit person, those people did not see me for who I was as their relative. They saw me as something that was uh, something wrong with nature. They saw me as something that should not be, and yet here I am. And after being discriminated against for a couple seasons of dancing through the powwow circuit, eventually there was a judge that voted for me anyways, and I ended up getting fourth place, and then I ended up getting third place, and then I got second place, and then I got first place. Oh, I love that. Yes, that's amazing. And how did people treat you then? Was there a moment when you felt like you were finally accepted as a two-spirit powwow dancer? What happened was I ended up returning back to the same powwow where I had originally gotten fourth place. And when I stepped into the circle, there was a sudden commotion. and. I'm looking all around. The other dancers are looking around, not sure what's going on. They tell the drummers to stop drumming and they have to get new judges because all of the other judges had walked off because they were upset that the powwow committee was trying to tell them that they couldn't judge me knowing what my situation was. So after that happened, everywhere I was going, People were discussing things behind my back, and there was all sorts of drama and chaos. My mother made a Facebook post that went viral. And the next day, I go out into the dance circle, and a crowd starts to form behind me. And more and more people start to join, and it doesn't stop. And I begin to dance, and they start to throw money at my feet. And the drum groups, start to come up and offer condolences to me and tell me that I should keep dancing. And even the arena director came and recognized me. And then all of my sisters that were Fancy Shaw dancing with me, they came and they hugged me. And at this point I'm sobbing. And people found their voice and they saw me as something that was worthy and should be defended within our community. And there was such a backlash 
that the, not the powwow committee, but the tribal council sent a representative to my home to apologize for what happened. And we had a ceremony to uh, really mend that bond. Mm, I love that. I love that. What a, what a, what a, a beautiful story. I mean, that's incredible. And I, I'm so glad you had that moment, you know, where your community rose up to defend you performing as a uh, two-spirit dancer. After the break, we'll hear how Sharente is using her activism to combat the invisibility of indigenous communities. Stay with us. Hey, y'all, before we jump back into our episode, I want to invite you to be part of our show. If you want to be a guest on this podcast, email us your story at do the work at threeuncanny4.com with the numbers spelled out. So that's do the work at threeuncanny4.com and tell us your story. Or you can call us with your story. Drop me a line at 973-922-3345. That's 973-922-3345. And now let's get back to the show. So Sharente, along with the challenges of being two-spirit, I know um, you also speak out about the invisibility of indigenous communities the issues that Indigenous folks all over the country face that many people know so, so, so little about. That includes, sadly, the hate crimes that are so often committed against Indigenous people. Now, you said that both of your parents have had family members taken from them through hate crimes. So if you're comfortable, um, do you mind talking about that? Yes. So... My grandmother's fiance, my grandfather, Melvin Coombs, my grandmother talks about calling the police that he had gone missing and the police thinking that he was just a drunk Indian and not taking it seriously. And it was only a week later when a hat was found on the property of the man that he was last seen with that the police were forced to start an investigation. And sure enough, they found his body buried beneath a pile of rubble. Um, I'm so sorry. No justice was found in that court case. Hey, everyone, I just want to jump in here. Uh, This story was really heart-wrenching for me to hear, especially after I learned that the man allegedly involved in the death of Charente's grandfather had manslaughter charges dismissed against him in 1999. But the pain is still there, and it's compounded by other tragedies that Charente's family has faced. My great-uncle, Ellison Tarzan Brown, who won the Boston Marathon twice, He was hit by a car uh, by a group of young white men. And I say I have multiple hate crimes in my family. If you go to any other Narragansett family, they'll be able to tell you the same. But we don't see anyone caring about what atrocities have happened. And indigenous people are murdered, are, are brutalized by our police at the highest rates in our country. Um, 
my other uncle was beaten by police officers and he also hasn't found justice. I mean, I, I don't really know what to say about it other than that this is something that needs to be spoken about. We need people to realize that black lives matter. We need people to see indigenous people, period. Can, can I ask you, Sorrente, you know, because our listeners have been um, listening to different couples, uh, whether they're romantic or colleagues, kind of work through uh racially charged moments. And so I'm hearing you talk about the erasure of of your tribe and of indigenous people. And so I know that there's no perfect answer here or any final answer, but if we were to, as uh, one of our guests, Dr. Kira Banks, talked about dreaming up solutions, if you and I were to dream up solutions about how to um, prevent the erasure of indigenous people from you know, the quote-unquote mainstream society. What do you think needs to happen? By building awareness. That's the first step to making change because the first big wall in our way is Indigenous invisibility. The Dakota Access Pipeline issue was mostly spread through social media and only then maybe did big news organizations start to, to pick up the issue. And that's the last big movement out of so many atrocities happening to our communities. I'm I'm talking the methylization of mercury in our waters, uh, taking our tribal lands out of trust. Um, Attacks are being made on indigenous people every day. And so the least we can do is to teach about Native American people in the present day. If we're learning about government, why don't we educate about what indigenous tribal sovereign nations are and what does it mean for federally recognized tribes to be tribes. So in terms of the education, are there any resources that you're like, I like for me, for me as Brandon, are there any resources, books, Instagram accounts, whatever that you're like, these are the three things that I wish Brandon would look at right now to support um, indigenous people, to support the native Americans. I would first point you to Tamaquag Museum. It's the only museum in Rhode Island that is dedicated to the story of indigenous people and the story of the Narragansett. I would uh, point you towards indigenous books for children by Narragansett people. There's Rabbits Wish for Snow by Chin. There's Strawberry Thanksgiving by Paula Dove Jennings. I would point you towards a documentary on YouTube called Our Neighbors, the Narragansett, that speaks to many issues that indigenous people have faced across Turtle Island. And you can learn more about our people through me uh, at my Instagram, at Sherente, S-H-E-R-E-N-T-E. Sherente, this was so wonderful. Thank you so much for this incredible conversation for all of your insight. You're so wise, and I just really, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. 
All right, were y'all taking notes? We've all got a lot of work to do to make sure Indigenous communities are seen, recognized, and respected in this country. If you didn't catch it the first time, you can follow Sharente on her Instagram at Sharente, S-H-E-R-E-N-T-E. And all those resources Sharente mentioned are up on our website at dotheworkpod.com. Do the Work is a Three Uncanny Four production. The show is hosted by me, Brandon Kyle Goodman. Our in-house educator is Debbie Irving. Our senior editor is Amy Eason. Our senior producer is TJ Raphael. Our associate producers are Rahima Nasa and Sharina Ong. Catherine Shoemaker is our development producer, and Jenny Kim is our production manager. Our executive producer is Laura Mayer. Special thanks to Adam Davidson and Nuna Sharafadeen. The show was mixed by Joanna Katcher at Nice Manners. Ava Amabehi is our fact checker, and Elisha Ba'itu created the theme. If you like the show, head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and hit subscribe. And hey, why not leave a rating and a comment while you're there? It really helps new listeners find the show. Or better yet, tell somebody about us, honey. And if you want to have your own story featured on the show, email us at do the work at 3uncanny4.com. That's what the number's spelled out. So do the work at 3uncanny4.com. Now, I hope you all are taking care of yourselves as we deal with these heavy conversations. Now, one self-care tip for me is rosé and a book. Yes, snuggle up on that couch with a glass of some rosé and your favorite book. What a way to just exhale after a long day. And if you don't drink rosé, maybe a, a sparkling apple cider. That's what my mom drinks. It's perfect. Something about the carbonation really makes me feel like I'm taking care of myself. For 3 Uncanny 4, I'm Brandon Kyle Goodman. Until next time, you can find me on the gram at Brandon K. Good. Thanks for listening.